0: Thank you, brother. And one last thing before he dives in. We want to do a little Ask Gary V with him. Gary, these we're gonna to have to look at this screen here. We have a, our own little Gary V thing. And unfortunately, we moved these screens, so it's gonna be a little hard to see. But if you guys can put up the Ask Gary V card collector edition, this would be great. Card Collector Challenge. Gary talks a lot about how he's a baseball card. Guy, he was in the past, and so when I interviewed him in his office in the fishbowl, there, when I was talking, it was cool, there was things going around, he was looking around like it was okay, okay, Keith, Sean, here, this is great. And then I said, Let's talk about baseball cards. His antennas went way up, he got super excited and dialed in. So let's just go into this challenge, shall we? Gary, the very first challenge, let's turn Gary's mic on, check, check, go there, he is. Hey. Great Jets
1: hat. I'm pumped.
0: (laughs) Here we go. Very first question is this. What box does this maker belong to?
1: uh, Donruss. (laughs) Don't sleep on my skills. (laughs) Question number two. Fuck, I'm so pumped I got that right. What is the name? Can you see this one over there? Go ahead. Okay. Oh fuck, I have no idea who the guy, Nolan Ryan, shared his rookie card with. Uh, Kuzman? Kuzman is right! (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: question number three. I hate this fucking guy. What year and make is this basketball card? 90 Fleer. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh, yes, yes. Guys, guys, you all know me. This is the only thing I gave a fuck about for eight years (laughs) of my life. Think about that much intensity deployed against one little narrow thing. Next question, we only
0: have a couple more. Next question, whose rookie card is this? Ernie Banks? Yes, Ernie Banks. Next question, this is a Don Ross blank rookie card rated rookie rated rookie is correct and we have one more what year and make Shit. is this card
1: 80 tops 80 what I got it wrong 80 oh so it's then I got it wrong because I thought it was 80 is it 80 oh this is 83
0: 83 tops. Yeah. one last question and I'm super <laughs> impressed because I was a color collector who is this player Roberto Clemente. And the winner is Roberto Clemente. Gary, the
1: stage is yours, my man. I'm going to be so upset about that Ozzy Smith fuck up for the rest of the night. Thanks for having me. Um, so mainly, to be very honest with you, I'd really prefer to do Q&A. Once I saw the two mics up there, um, I thought wow, this is great, so feel free, I, I, I'd like to spend most of the 45 minutes to an hour to do Q and A, feel free to like start lining up now. I'm gonna pontificate about a couple things. Number one, as I caught the end of Sean's talk, I think it's really interesting to talk about hustle and magic. As you sit here in the audience, I, I ask myself, what, what's practical? What's practical? Can you go home and create more magic? Can you go home and create more magic? I'm not sure, right? I think we could talk about that a little bit. I think it has a lot to do with self-awareness. I think a lot of you in this room want to be something instead of reverse engineer what you actually are. But can you really go home and become Sean and and have that level of charisma and, and, and have that? I don't know, I've always felt that talent could be honed, you could maximize By the way, your kicks are phenomenal. Um, I think you can maximize your talent. Like, I feel like I have a certain amount of, you know, basketball talent in my body. Sure, I can play every day, but can I really get to that extreme level where I could be on a basketball card? Just punchline, the answer is no. I do not believe that you sit here, you fly into Vegas, you sit up here and listen to all these great speakers a lot of my homies have spoke earlier, and I don't think you go home and scale magic. And so I love Sean with all my heart, but here's one thing I can promise you. You can all go home and hustle more. And the reason I push hustle so much is because it feels like the most fucking controllable thing to change the outcome of what disappoints you. It's just the most controllable thing. I don't know how, you know, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that people are gonna talk about during this weekend. I don't know, you know, yes, yes, I think you should all go home and become dramatically more charismatic. (laughs) I think you should do that. How? And so I think the answer to how is actually in a very interesting place. I think the thing that separates individuals from winning is self-awareness. I really do. If I can get across anything in today's talk, It's how do I create some level of permission for you to start feeling more comfortable in your own skin in a world where your mom and dad didn't do that for you, in a world where your neighborhood didn't do that for you, in a world where the coolest kid in high school didn't do that for you, in a world where America makes trillions of dollars in industries telling you what you suck shit at so you spend money on fixing it versus doing what is fundamentally the reason I know I get to stand here on stage, which is, You're right, Sean. I really don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks in the same way Rush and Howard think. The only difference is, and I don't know those guys, is I equally really give a shit about what you think. And I think if you understand what I mean by that, you can start really tapping through. I will not live my life based on what you want me to do, or whatever the current politically correct POV is. Every day, and I know a lot of you know who I am, I get emails yelling at me for my work-life balance. I also know that as much love as that's, and I look at it as love. People email me, I don't think they're trying to hurt my feelings. I think they're telling me things that may be happening to them. You know, hey, I have kids in college now. I regret not spending time with them. You're going to. And I don't get mad. I just know that that person doesn't know me. I know that person doesn't know me. My friends, we're living in a with world, not a depth world. There's plenty of my friends that critique my work-life balance that come home, go downstairs into their man cave, drink four Budweiser's, and go to sleep. I don't view them as spending quality time with their children. And so, and so, I'm also very comfortable in my losses. I'm comfortable in the bed that I made and thus I sleep in it. I'm not perfect, I plan on making mistakes, big ones. I can't wait till I have to apologize to America. It's how we roll, we're humans, right? The fact of the matter is, I'm just comfortable in my intent, I'm comfortable in a lot of things. For example, I'm comfortable in that most of the decisions that I've made in my life over the last 15 to 20 years have been far more predicated on my legacy than anything else. I've left a lot of money on the table over the last 10 years because I care about my legacy. I want all of you to show up to my funeral. However, I know that I love to reassess. Let me explain. This year, David Bowie, Prince, Very famous people have passed away. I've been taken aback by the fact that America cares for about 20 hours. And I've said, my God, these are really famous fuckers, right, and we are living in such a fast-paced world, we're moving on so much quicker. And I've started saying to myself, hmm, Should I care so much about my legacy that even if I crush it all the way through, if everybody shows up, it's only got a 24 hour window? Should I care about my inner circle? Should I care about my outer circle? I think the biggest thing that I'm starting to feel, knowing a lot of you have consumed a lot of my content, something that I don't think I've been sharing a lot, that I'd like to today, tonight, to bring you guys value, to have you hear something a little bit different, I'm not scared to fundamentally change my life completely. I am thrilled for making a video that says, fuck hustle. Thrilled to say, this is my last video for 24 months, I'm going on a beach, see ya in 2029. See what happens is, when you get real comfortable with yourself, you don't even care about how you established your narrative, you're willing to break it because I just don't care about the repercussions because at that moment I am comfortable in my decision and my intent. And let me promise you the quickest way to win. And I don't mean money, I mean win. Playing in a way that feels right to you before it feels right to anybody else around you. And I promise you, and I promise you that the majority of you are not. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I don't really know, you know it's ironic, my wife plays the same game, but I really, my mom maybe, it's stunning to me how few people play it purely that way. It's incredible how we are affected by the five or six closest people to us. It is incredible to how many people here in this room right now that the singular unlock to dramatic more success emotionally, financially, and every other thing you can think of is actually predicated on them eliminating one person in their inner circle, normally a family member, that is a complete negative driver and is the cancer within the ecosystem does not allow you to be successful. But that's tough, easy for me to say up here on stage, like kick your mom out of your life, right? (laughs) But here's the punchline it doesn't make it any less true. And so, you know, I don't know, like there's a million things we could talk about. Um, by the way, as you guys are lining up for Q and A, which fires me up, keep doing it, um, I'm thrilled to answer questions in very specific detail, like how do you make a Snapchat filter, or go all the way to, what's magic? And so, <laughs> and so, and so, it's always fun to speak second. And so, I, uh. That's been on my mind a lot. The other thing that's been on my mind a ton, and I'll go a little more practical and a little less foofy, here's the punchline, my friends. It's called distribution of attention. If you really want to understand what's happening here, all the talks for the next four days, there's only two things that matter, your content and how many people see it. It's actually a singular binary game of two things that matter, your content and how many people see it. You can listen to all the people that are gonna tell you how to growth hack or get distributions or big build lists or run Facebook ads the best. You can listen to all of that. But if the shit that comes out of your mouth or what you write on paper sucks shit, you will lose. And the fact of the matter is over 80% of the people sitting here aren't talented or interesting or differentiated enough to achieve the dollar amounts that they want. That is why I love hustle because just like I only have so much basketball DNA and skills, if I work really hard, I could be a really fun, solid average pickup player. And I have news for some of you entrepreneurs. Some of you are just nice and average entrepreneurs. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it that means that you need to be self-aware that if you never made money by the time you were 25 years old in your life and you never sold shit, you just might not be a salesman. Got it? This game is all predicated on self-awareness. The other thing it's predicated on is truth. The amount of people sitting in this room, and by the way, let me, let me define sitting in this room. When I say sitting in this room, I actually don't mean the 300 of you. I actually mean the market. So let me use that instead. The amount of people in the market that claim to be something they are not, because what the reverse engineering is, that's where the money is, is the biggest reason so many people lose. You just can't fake who you are, you can't manufacture it, you can't want it. So many people in here want to be business coaches, and they've never built a fucking business. Before you give me business advice, it'd be really interesting to understand if you ever made money besides giving business advice. And so, that intrigues me. What's more interesting for the youngsters in this room that want to play that card, is actually documenting and communicating the journey of learning business. Cause that's your truth. And so, I would tell you the people that are gonna win are the ones that are telling the truest story. I'm only lucky and a lot of people get mad at me when I say I'm lucky, they really do because they do know that I work hard and there's always that debate of luck work, and work and by the way, losers love to throw out luck. But I do think I'm lucky in the fact that it has never been more attractive or cooler to be an entrepreneur than right now. It's so weird, I take selfies in the street because I'm a businessman. The reason I'm really winning it's because I was a businessman when it wasn't cool. When I was a loser in school, because I was getting D's and F's, and for everybody here, 40 to 60, you know that that was the only, your grades were the narrative of how good you were, and what college you went to was the narrative of how good you were. When I was getting D's and F's, yet making $2,000 a weekend selling baseball cards, my friends' parents and my teachers thought I was a loser. If I was making two, $3,000 a weekend right now, As a 13 year old in school, I'd be the coolest kid in high school. I'd be the next Mark Zuckerberg. I'm gonna be on Shark Tank one day when I grow up and everybody would have loved me. That's why it's working for me because I haven't wavered regardless of what you guys gave a fuck about. And guess what? Entrepreneurship's not gonna be cool one day soon too. It might be five years from now, it might be 10 years from now. When everybody looks down on it because we should be caring about something else, I'm still gonna be fucking selling shit. And so, and so what I fear right now is people trying to mold into something around whatever's convenient right now or cool, you know, like your friends that sold real estate in the mid 2000s and then were social media experts when that market collapsed. You know, that narrative, I'm worried about people that are following the current trend instead of following the only thing that they actually are. And that's who wins. Who do we cherish and who do we put on pedestal? The people that from the get punted everything else and went full-pledged themselves. LeBron didn't try to become a well-rounded young man. He fucking played basketball all in. And that's who we look at. Beyonce, there's home videos and star search and all that. She went all in. The people that we look at and admire, they put in the work from the get, regardless of what they are, because that's the only thing they knew how to be. And I'm telling you right now, the best blueprint for your success is to when you're done tonight doing whatever the fuck you're doing tonight, to go into your hotel room, look yourself in the mirror, and ask yourself, what's the purest form of who I am, and build a fucking thing around that. That works. And whether it's cool right now or whether it makes the most money, do you think that the best gamers in the world right now 10 years ago thought sitting in their basement playing shooter games was gonna make them 10 million dollars a year in eSports? Absolutely not. When you were all in on your shit and we now live in a world where the internet creates niche communities around every fucking thing you could ever imagine, that is an unbelievable blessing to all of us that our grandparents didn't have an opportunity in. And so, I just don't know. I know a lot of you, have watched a lot of you tweet about this event. I looked at your accounts. People are chasing money. I don't give a shit what you guys say. Now I'm talking to this room. Most of you are chasing fucking money and you're gonna fucking lose. And that's what I hope you think about. I hope you think about, what are you good at? Or, what do you really, like what's the truest essence of who you are? Because those are the only two things that create the upside that people chase. Because I know people with tons of money that are sad as shit, right? Because once you get something, you want the other thing, because it's always grass is greener for all of us, right? And so, great. You unlock a system. You figured out how to do something and you made some bucks and then what? And so I'm telling you two things. Either talent, magic, which I do not believe that you can manufacture, and or what the fuck really drives you for real and maybe it won't make so much money right now, but when you deploy the tactics of Snapchat and Facebook ads and AR and Pokemon Go and whatever you deploy the tactics against. If you're deploying it against fake shit that's being built just to make a dollar, you're gonna lose over time. You're not gonna be able to sustain. You know why I hustle? Because I fucking love it. You know why I hustle? Because it's my oxygen. You know why I hustle? Because I don't even know what the fuck else to do. This is what I do. And if like, If you really think about what would you do every, minute, like, I'm retired now. Like, when people say they're gonna retire and play golf and surf, great. I'm doing that now. If you asked me to golf, I'd rip my fucking arm off, I'd be so pissed. (laughs) Like, I don't wanna lay on a beach. My head's turning, I wanna do shit. I wanna make shit, I wanna talk to you. I wanna live, this is how I live. The people that hustle the most, are the happiest, not the saddest. Thank you. And, and, and you know what, I'm, I'm even disgusted in my own rah-rah just now. In a practical level, it is practical to make money around the thing that interests you the most. It's amazing. Even though Crush It is the furthest thing from what I've done in this space, it's still the truest. We live in an internet age where niches are long and deep and you can make money doing anything and the thing you'll make the most money on is the thing you like the most. Because if the thing you like the most will allow you to work the hardest and that will be the variable of success. And if you love it so much, you'll also research it more because it's what you'd naturally do anyway in your free time and then you'll work harder and then you'll make money. Not you're a fucking life coach. <laughs> My man.
2: Thank What's you. your name? Alexander. What's that? Alexander. Love it. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. I was actually thinking about creating a shirt that just says "I love it." So many people I can't hear can
1: shit. Do I have bad ears? What's that? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Go closer. How about
2: now? Way fucking better. Thank there we you. go. All right. So you know, once you find out who you are and your strategy and all of that, uh, and real quick. Go ahead.
1: Most people fucking die before they figure out who you, they are.
2: This is so true. So like
1: before we all go like, okay now you figure, like, like real quick, like before you figure out who you are, like once you figure out who you are, just to give you a quick punchline, most of you haven't gotten there yet. Everybody's talking about the tactics. What about the religion? Like figuring out who you are, especially at this young of an age, challenge. Challenge. You've been told who you are most of your life. So going in that cocoon by yourself and figuring it out and blocking out everything, that's fucking hard. So I'll answer your question, but I promise you, that's not so simple. And, and honestly, that's what's happening in this space too much. Everybody's going to step two and I haven't even started on step one,
2: but go ahead. Thank you, spot on, almost read my mind. Okay. So what I'm talking about is, you know, I truly believe that I have found out who I am You know, there's so many distractions, so many Snapchats. I could watch your Snapchat. I could watch Ty's. I could watch, you know, everybody's Snapchat, right? So many distractions, so many things. My question is, once you figure out who you are and the vision that you want to go, how do you not stay, uh, you're talking about distribution of attention. How do you go about staying on that one, buying the Jets, whatever the case may be for you? Uh,
1: Dan Martell, you know, Sean, I've never watched a six... Sean's video spoof of Wine Library TV, which was phenomenal, let's clap it up for that for the people who saw this fucking unbelievable. That's literally Josh right there. All these cool homies, I've never watched a single piece of con, I do not know a single word that's ever come out of Dan's fucking mouth. I'm being dead serious. I don't know, how do I, I've never been distracted because I don't give a fuck what anybody else is talking about, I'm worried about my shit. So if you're fucking watching everybody's snaps, maybe you're just not as driven as I am. Maybe you don't care about the things that I care about. You know what I care about? How everybody here reacts to content. So I spend all my time reading all your comments. I know everything you've said about everything that I've done because it's what I use to figure out what I'm gonna do next. So instead of watching Sean's point of view or fucking Wes who loves to claim he's a better speaker than me and he fucking sucks, you know, like, (laughs) you know, You know, instead of doing that dumb shit, I'm paying attention to when I put out content, how do you guys actually respond to it? Because that's what makes me a front leader. I don't give a fuck about Guy Kawasaki or Seth Godin's point of view on Musical.ly. I'm gonna go and use it, watch how you guys react to it, and then that's why people listen to me, because I do it first. Because I don't even consume anybody else's content, so my shit stays pure. And my shit is pure because you're actually giving me the feedback, because you're actually the audience. So for me, it's a waste of fucking time. I got time to watch the New York Jets. That's my escapism. Other than that, family and this shit. I, 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 you're asking the wrong person how to tune out other shit because I don't care. I haven't read anybody's fucking book.
2: No, it's a great answer. It's the truth. Excellent. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you, Gary.
1: Thanks, Alex. <laughs> By the way, Alex. Alex, Alexander. By the way, Alex. By the way. That's not necessarily right for you. There's a lot of people here that do learn from watching other people's shit. My answer is I know myself. I got D's and F's for a reason. I'd love to read everybody's wonderful books here. I just won't retain any of the information. That's the ultimate waste of fucking time. If you're getting value by watching others and that helps your game, that's the way you need to roll. My game is based on me knowing myself and that's how I get good. That's not disrespect to all these wonderful people. That's me understanding how I learn. You got it.
3: Hey, yeah, once again, it's great seeing you. I saw you uh, last year at Thrive. So it How are great, you, man? It was great talking to you then. Um, so one of the things that I, that I constantly see or that you always mention on your, uh, on your podcasts or your Snapchats um, is definitely always about the Uber deal being... Uh, something that you didn't get into early on.
1: the reason I bring up passing on Uber twice is everybody always wants me to talk about my failures, and the shit is i don 't know most of them that 's one that I know, so I bring it up
3: got it and then as far as as far as when it when it goes to into that uh, into that aspect uh, with with new business opportunities, uh, what is something that it is that you see in either the founders or the team that really make you want to jump on it? Uh, I mean, Uber was uh, somewhat of a pretty big uh, starting up, but what was it? I mean, what do you want to see in a business before it before you see it take traction and actually become involved in it?
1: What do I need to see if, for me to invest in something? Yeah. It's normally intuition. They have to, it has to be two things. One, do I believe in the space? So, right now, I believe in meditation, right? So, I think consumer meditation is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. So, then when I look at the Headspace founders or the Calm founders, I need to understand the jockey. So, the only thing I do is I always have a thesis Do I believe that Americans, the world, are going to use this product, right? Are we going to behave that way? At comma, do I believe in these founders are capable of being the people that win in that game? That's it nothing else I don't care your app has seven billion people if I don't think that's where the world's going to be in three or four years I'm out and I don't care that I totally believe in meditation if you pitch it to me and you've never sold anything and you have no wins on your table and I don't feel anything intuitively you have no shot either so that's how I basically make decisions
3: that makes sense and then as far as the founders that you have worked with what is it that you saw in them and no clue pure
1: intuition it's like falling in love no idea
3: makes sense you know what I
1: mean like fucking I don't know you know, and people and founders come in and try to tell me shit they know I'll hear like I hustled when I was a kid. You know, I'm like, "You're a fucking liar." Next. You know, it's intuition.
3: Makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. You got it.
4: Hi
5: Gary, I'm Susie. Hey, Susie. It's amazing to meet you. Um, Thank you. I first saw your video back in like 2010, the Smurf it up one. So Uh, first of all i want to say thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart for like every single video everything that you do i think i speak collectively for everyone but you inspire us so much
1: thank you so much
5: um i also came from an immigrant family so i like so much respect for what your family has built um and you and your family right however i'm the only entrepreneur in my family and so my question is more about um, like I fought through being like the black sheep and doing something different than everyone else. Like, right, cause
1: everybody wanted you to go to education yeah, and that exactly. doctor, like, lawyer,
5: teacher, is that corporate. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Like, do the safe thing, cause they're yes. like terrified of doing right. anything different. So I've like fought through that. I've actually built up my business in the last two years. To Congrats. Um, thank you. So. The question becomes now, how do I up-level my environment, right? Like, you were talking about how those closest five people, it may be like eliminating, eliminating one of them. And that was, I don't know, kind of interesting. Like, how do I up-level the people that I spend time with? And when everyone around you kind of operates in fear, you know what I mean? Like, how do you up-level that whole environment?
1: By going out and hanging out with those kind of people.
5: How do you do that? Like, honestly, usually if you work from home. Usually and- by taking an Uber
1: or a flight. <laughs>
5: <laughs> On a day-to-day basis. On, On a day-to-day, day-to-day
1: basis. I, you look, you can't control your family, right? My dad is one of the most negative people I know. Like, if this whole room was filled with water, my dad would say this is half glass empty. My dad is super negative. Um, but I love my dad the most, and I spend time with him, but... You know, you can't control your family. You can control your friends. So if you've got a family that you think is dragging you down or looks down at what you're doing, but you love them. And I love, you know, my sister is pretty negative. I love her the most. She's my baby sister. Um, I want to hang with her all the time. I would tell you that if you've got a situation where all of them, because my mom's super positive, AJ's kind of more neutral, upper positive, I would say that, you've got to really be very conscious of your friends and what you have around you besides your family. And I would go extreme positive in that direction. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can only control so much, right? right? Okay. And like, I think we all have family members. It's impossible, I think, for anybody here to have zero family members that are negative. It's just my sister believed my dad more than she believed my mom, thus she became more negative. Later in her life, very recently, she's kind of flipped and it's been game-changing. I think at some level you choose, it's unbelievable the level of disrespect I have for everybody else's opinion. (laughs) And I think that you should consider to try that too. (laughs) I, I mean it and it's very helpful for me. By the way, I think they're right a lot of times, I don't think I'm always right but I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm always right for me. And that's a very subtle difference. I'm not always right, but I'm 100% for me. You know, I'm always right for me. And that's it. And so I think it's the friends, and I think it's deploying a little less credence and belief in what your family is saying. I would start disrespecting them, aggressively. (laughs) You got it.
6: Hey, Gary, how's it going?
1: It's going super well, man. How are you?
6: Good. Quick question. Uh, uh, Maguire rookie card, yeah, USA Olympic, should I just sell it or will the world forget that he did steroids and had the home run record? Do I keep them? Yeah. I got did, a did you, of did you
1: get it graded?
6: Uh, yeah. It's, it's mint. I got like five. I'd notes. probably
1: wait for him to like, you know, it's kind of like all the kids that were smart to sit on their Pokemon cards and just sell it now. There's nothing good going on with McGuire's brand right now. I'd wait for the next bump, hopefully getting a li- into the Hall of Fame once everybody forgets and liquidate then.
6: Cool. Can I ask my real question now? Yeah. All right. So I spent 16 years building a uh, very successful building uh, business. Sorry, very successful business, and I coach in that business, and I absolutely hate it. It just it drives me nuts. You have um, a business that you spent six
1: years on. Sixteen. Sixteen. That's super successful, yep. but you hate it.
6: But I hate it. Right. And Sounds so like
1: a losing formula.
6: Yeah. It sucks. So I'm trying to figure out how I can find out you know, what I coach very niche in that, in that market, uh, how I can somehow test those skills out to a broader market, you know, maybe go just from So are you sport. saying,
1: uh, I, it's a little tough for me to hear. I, I think nope. I've got to go to your doctor. Sorry, I think are, that's, oh, that's better. better. Are you telling, you, are, did you say you're coaching in that business? Yeah,
6: I still work in that business. I coach in that business. I'm trying to figure out if I can use those skills to go broader instead of so deep in a niche, niche. and uh, I, I don't know what platform to test that out on.
1: Your message, you mean?
6: Yeah. As a
1: gateway drug to people? You want to continue to coach? Right. Are you sure about that?
6: Yes, absolutely. I I enjoy the coaching aspect of it. I'm just sick of this particular industry.
1: Well, then, everywhere. Like, how do you communicate best? Written,
6: audio, video? Facebook, video, probably.
1: Yeah. Like, pollute your own waters. Don't forget, you're talking to a dude that everybody thought was the wine guy and had no idea why the fuck he started talking about business. Right. right? So I think what people do when they try to change is they're worried that that audience doesn't want to hear that. I'm sure 94% of my wine audience didn't want to hear about social media strategy, but the 6% that did was the base that built the next thing.
6: Cool, thank you. You're welcome.
7: Hi Gary.
1: Get into that mic.
7: Okay, can you hear me? Great. Okay, so um, I've spent the last 10 years building a household staffing agency. So I help families basically around the world, you know, get household staff. And my question for you is I've built my business um, where I'm kind of at, I want to kind of go to the next level. And I've been content with the level I've been at.
1: Real quick, when you say the next level, define to me what that means for you.
7: To hire, um, I guess, another one of me, somebody that I'm going to pay very well to also deal with the clients and kind of manage them.
1: Um, You don't want it all on you?
7: I don't want it all on me, you know, because it's like I'm the one getting late night calls and things like that, and I'm trying to work on the work-life balance.
1: And so Um, why haven't you done it so far?
7: Um, I've had, I had a really good assistant for a long time handle it and I made the mistake. She got a, got a job offer at a startup doing something she was really meant to do and since then I feel like my assistants and people working for me are not at that level. Like, they're Did great you say
1: earlier that you made a mistake? No. Okay, I didn't hear it right. So I mean, I make a lot of mistakes. Well, we'll I'm sure in life. But yeah. I thought you said you made a mistake by maybe not matching it. She just went on to go do something else.
7: Yeah, exactly. So okay. that, that was okay. And since then you haven't been able to we find somebody to as strong. Yeah, I think I stopped looking for a while because the clients that they would call, they would just be, I want to talk to Brooke. Um, My clientele's a little different in that they're all like millionaires and billionaires and they don't respond to typical marketing. And my question for you is, kind of especially to double my business and kind of afford another one of me, I was wondering if you might have an idea or two, something maybe I haven't thought of.
1: So you're saying to me, you're yeah. trying to reach high net worth individuals because you're staffing you know, services within their home. If yeah. you, To afford that, you've got to be rich. Yes. Your plan is that you want to make more money, you want to get more clients, and then with that money, you can get another you. Exactly. Let me ask you a question differently. Okay. Are you making enough money right now to have another one of you? Because my intuition is you can. It's just you want to have a certain amount of take home or spend that money on some other stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's another
7: right. one of me, but a cheaper, yeah. <laughs> not super cheap, not like minimum wage, but not where that's, they're like super motivated.
1: You, you're, you're about to walk into a hamster wheel that you're going to lose, okay. and most solo entrepreneurs lose, which is you're going to try to double revenue to deploy against you because you want to maintain your take-home income and not invest in your business. Tomorrow, you should pay, you should figure out how much money you have to take, how much money you take home, what's the least you can take home and still live your life. And when I mean live your life, I mean pay your bills. And I think you should go hire somebody, have one year where you didn't take the best vacations you ever fucking took, and you didn't buy the best shit you ever bought, and then have that person, and then that person with you will build up that revenue. So many of you want both. You want to take home money to buy shit, and you want your business to grow. Businesses grow when you invest in your fucking business, and that's got that it. It's so common. I see it every day. Yeah. The reason I built Wine Library so fast is I was willing to, as a young man when I was twenty-eight years old, have a forty-thousand-dollar-a-year salary while all my other friends were had nice things. I had built a forty-million-dollar business and I wasn't reaping any of the benefits because every fucking penny was going back in because I was fine to reap the benefits when I was 29, 39, and 69, right? I think what you need to do is take your number all the way down and be able to deploy that against people because then the combo of you guys will build the top line revenue and you'll get it back within 24 months. Yeah. Patience. (laughs) Okay. Patience is the killer. Patience is the absolute thing that most people don't deploy into their business and that's what limits their growth. Do you have like one unique idea you can share? Yeah, you should make Facebook video and target it against high net worth individuals because they're there. Yeah, they're, the, okay. Video. Video. Paint the picture to them. Okay. Have you ever gone on vacation and wish somebody did a better job for you, right? Like, are you pissed when your you know, house <laughs> yeah. cleaner calls out? Up? Yeah. Yep. Got it? Yeah, thank you. Cool, you got it.
7: Hello, Gary. Hello. I love the show. Thank you. And my name is Rachel Luna. Rachel Luna Biz. What's up, everybody? All right. So lately, you have had some killer guests on the show, and I'm wondering what's the strategy behind who you're bringing, you know, as guests. You Super Wyclef, random.
1: People reaching out to me.
7: Just random. Yes. So like, Frederick hey, Gary, from I'll the real
1: estate a- show wants to be on the show. I know who he is. Um, I do well with real estate agents. So I'm like, okay. Fat Joe, fuck yeah, you know? So, super duper random, no real strategy other than when you have famous people on the show, you market against their fan base on platforms, it brings awareness to me, it's interesting content, I needed a period of mixing it up, it was just me, now I don't want any fucking guests ever again, I'm back to wanting to do me. And so, that's, you know, I'm a counter puncher by nature. Mm -hmm. I have one core strategy, where is attention that most people are underestimating. Musically, I want every eight to 15 year old kid in America to look up to me as the entrepreneur for them. So if I get them at eight and seven and nine, I'll have them. So while everybody's like musically stupid, I'm like, that's great, but every first to fifth grader in America lives on it. And here comes old man Gary as their favorite entrepreneur. (laughs) Got it?
7: Let me throw this at you, though, just as a little bounce back. Let's so do you're a little saying, bounce back. Yeah, I like that. So you're saying you mix it up? How do How do you mix it up when you're also trying to keep your head in the game and just do that one thing really, really well? Talent. Well, I'm fucking talented. I got Show that. Show me. Watch me. Thank I'll you. I'll see.
1: All right. Because you know the best part about talent? Yes. Is we can all talk shit. Yeah. But results are the fucking game.
7: Okay. What's your? What? How are you measuring those results? Money. Oh, wow.
1: Well. Freedom. Okay. Happiness. Okay. Money, happy, freedom. You know, I don't know, like how many selfies I take a day, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I think we get to all measure it differently, right? Right. And so, I'm. you know how many people in here are all about math, conversions, and quant? You know what that's called? That's called salespeople. Marketing and branding doesn't fucking get measured by the hour. All right, well, thank you. So, for me, how do I measure it is how do I feel about where I'm positioned? How, you know, how am I, how am I? Equally, you know, VaynerMedia is gonna do a hundred million dollars in revenue this year and it's scaled. It's not the Gary Vaynerchuk consulting firm. I don't fucking deal with any clients. I'm the CEO. I hire people. I do all my stuff. Some of you have seen the last couple episodes. I'm dealing with my HR stuff. Like, I'm running a company. I run a hundred million dollar Madison Avenue agency and in parallel, Gary V is my side hustle. You wanna feel real bad? Gary Vee is my side hustle. (laughs) I'm an entrepreneur CEO of an agency. I run the actual business, so for me, how do I measure it? How well is Vayner doing, right? How well is my speaking request coming in? How many people are watching my stuff? But I don't measure it on a tactical day to day. It's an overall feeling of a vibe, intuition, and some baseline metrics that I, I mean, I never look at any Of my data. Like I can see it publicly. I can see if ten thousand people liked this photo. I'm like, oh shit, people like this Instagram photo. I'll look at it and be like, I don't know. Seems like the same old shit. But anyway, you know, like like you know, I think a lot of people are so into landing page optimization, all but wait, that shit works, but that's sales. And when you're great, brand they didn't cookie me and then retarget me and then get me on a list, and then convert, and A-B test me, and funnel me, and then go make a deal with another company and JV their lists for each other, and all that fucking horseshit. they branded me. People didn't come here just to see me speak because I cookied them and rated a Facebook ad. It's because I provided so much fucking value they wanted to see it in person. Branding.
5: Thank you.
8: All right, get your ass, Gary. Hi, I'm Gene. Gene. Um, I don't think you suffer from this based on what we can see about you in the, the real world. You could be surprised. I could be surprised. But um, I've been working on this concept around a book for a little while. Around what? A book.
1: Uh, you want to write a book?
8: Yeah, I'm writing it. I'm, You're writing a book. I actually will finish the book. You finish the book. I, b- back up. Okay. Mr. Hustle. I will finish the book. One J- day. July 31st, first draft. Okay. Right? I still got more, I got things to do after that. So, the concept is I've been talking, I go to live events all the time, I speak on stages, got a podcast interviewing hundreds of people. Um, It's called The Trap of Success. The Trap of Success? Yeah, because there's a point at which people get in success and they play safe. Yeah. You talked a little bit about significance and about some of the stuff you do. And the book is really centered around that. I'd love your perspective on that and what you see in in your circles and because you interact with so many people,
1: around the notion of like where golden, you stuck? golden golden handcuffs versus
8: it could, it could be golden handcuffs. I mean, I it's my personal story, part of yeah. it, because I had a very successful business and I wanted to innovate. I was making you know five hundred thousand a year or something like that, and I had lifestyle, and I said. I don't want to lose that. Yeah, I get it. To go really make something that would change my life and change the life of everyone else. Yeah. I played fucking safe. Yep. Because I was afraid to lose it all. That's right. And you can probably guess what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not fun. Like, it's the same old story. I think that, um, I think we all go through journeys. One thing that I would tell you, it's funny where my head went when you started talking. I think a lot about regret. I think one of the most interesting things about spending time with old people is regret. If you talk to 80 and 90 year olds, the place where their face really changes is when they talk about what they didn't do or what they wish they did. And here's the punchline, when you get to that age and you're in a retirement home or you're not moving, it's over. And you know it. A lot of us still live on, we can still, like everything we're upset about right now, the majority of us, 99% of us can still do something about it and that hope drives us. So, you know, it's interesting. It's a really interesting question. You're right. I'm a little weird. I'm a little weird. I don't know if you ever caught this. I don't talk about it often. I weirdly fantasize of losing everything
8: I, I as a good have, thing.
1: I actually heard you said I yeah. wish I would because I, I, I can build it back. Yeah, because to me, I love the build. Yeah. Like, like I think the reason I started Vayner Sports, sports this sports agency is because everybody thinks it's a joke that is like Drew Rosenhaus and CAA and Rock Nation and I'm gonna fucking slice their throats, right? Like to me, I love that. I love the underdog, like I hated Tiger Woods, then America started (laughs) hating him, now I like him because he's finished. (laughs) You know, I hated Kobe, but then when he got old, I'm like, oh yeah, Kobe. You know, like, so I love the underdog, I love the climb. So for me, I'm very reverse. Like, I love my vacations before I get there. The second I land, on the plane, I start getting upset, right? I live for anticipation and the climb. So I don't think I'm the best person to give advice around golden handcuffs. I'm only comfortable putting the chips in, changing it. But what do you see from others? What's that? What do you see from others? You I see from others people, people thinking short term. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how long you're gonna live? When I hear 35 year olds tell me they're golden handcuffed, I'm like, you're what are you talking about? And, and, and it goes back to the lovely lady that was right before you. Like, like, people want stuff. Like, I don't, like, you know, your lifestyle, what was that, right? Like, is, is it the house? Is it the country club? Is it the car? Is it the trips? Like, what was, do I see? It
8: was it's all of it. Yeah, it's all <laughs> of it.
1: Like, to me, it's unbelievable. You know, yeah. so what I see in others, you know the answer is I don't need to pontificate on it. I'm just grateful and thankful that I don't have it. And I, and I always wonder how much of that has to do with the same thing I started this with, which is I definitely don't need it for others. I think one of the things that's fascinating me in others is they need the car and the watch and the trophy husband or wife because they want other people to see it. I mean, this is why I pound everybody to love themselves first. I don't need that. I don't want that, I don't care. I love it, it's fine, I like the accolades, I like the attention. I like the attention because of what I put out. I like that people take selfies with with me, not because I score 41 points a night in an arena, but because I'm putting out so much good content that brings them value, they're thankful. So when I think about significance, I think about all the money I leave on the table every day to do the Gary V side hustle thing. You know, my other billionaire friends that build businesses always are weirded out by me. They're like, why are you wasting your time with that? And I'm like, I'm like, part of it's vanity. I like the admiration. But I, I tell them all the time, I'm like, look, yeah, you may end up with 940 million, and I may end up with 297 million. A lot more people are going to show up at my funeral. A lot more people like me. A lot more people are going to say nice things about me to my kids than they are about you. And that's more important to me.
8: Yeah. I'll tell you the, the reason. You, you said a word that I haven't thought of because it's helped me with the book. A little louder. The, you said regret. Yes. And I hadn't thought about this. But the reason I'm writing the book is because of my own regret. Yep. And it's because I had that chance to do something big. Yep. And I fucked it off.
1: Here's the coolest part, bro. How old are you? 45. You have a fuckload more at bats.
8: I will never retire.
1: That's fine. Right? But like, you can do 87 more big things. Yeah. Like, you may save somebody from getting hit by a truck in four years. Like, there's so much to be done. Little and big. You know?
8: But the reason I'm writing is because the regret that I'm helping people, with my business now, I'm helping people see what I didn't see. I get it. And so that they can build that business. They can get take it. that chance. I get it. build that huge thing. I understand. And get out of their own fucking way. Agreed. Get, get uncomfortable. Yep. And invest in themselves, all that all that shit. So thanks for your you perspective. You got it. Understood. Awesome.
1: My man. All right, I'm going to start going a little faster.
4: Sure. sure. Oh, you got to get this, baby. Gary motherfucking V, what is up, dude? What's up, man? Dude, this is so amazing. Um, I've been following you now for, um, you actually, that USC video that you did, that yep. like just took off, I'm, I'm sure you know that. Yes. But uh, that actually is what got me up on you, man, and uh, you know, it's been fantastic. I've been an entrepreneur since 2006, I'm a coffee guy, I do coffee, I know you like coffee. Yep. Rock and roll, Roasters Coffee in case anybody cares Uh, I'm sure some of you guys do but anyways uh, I started in 2009 I opened my first shop brick and mortar I have uh, seven locations now and uh, it wasn't easy right 2008 2009 2010 man I bought a coffee roaster on Craigslist it was like for pennies because everybody was selling everything for cheap yep Um, and it, it was hard it was hard a lot of a lot of anxiety a lot of uh, you know, bankruptcy was looming. Man, it was crazy. It was intense. It was difficult. Um, those first few years were, were insane. Nowadays, it's almost too easy to be an entrepreneur, right? Yep. It's almost too easy. It's not easy. Uh, well, this. Well, that. Are you, you talking about people
1: getting funding?
4: Yeah. Well, they're the, going to lose. Well, the, exactly. It's exactly like, I, Exactly what oh, I get mean, I mean to. You.
1: Uh, look, real quick. Yep. It's easy to say you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Is it easy to be a successful entrepreneur? For sure. It's not.
4: Right. So, so the question is then: What do you see happening in the next one, two, three years down the road? Because right now, the last seven years, man, it's been up. Yeah, but, but look, what, what do you see happening though? Because I don't know.
1: No. Because what you're asking is, when does the economy shift? And that has a lot more to do with those characters on Wall Street or yes. up to shenanigans, yes. and whenever the shit falls out from underneath it, I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. The world has proven to us a whole bunch of times that it goes up and it goes down, right? Right. I just don't know the timing. And I think, I think if you're asking with the purpose of, I want to be prepared, I think I live my life that I'm prepared for shit to hit the wall every day. Every day I anticipate that I'm gonna wake up and it's Armageddon. I love it. And so I would tell you if I understand where the energy is coming from, never overextend yourself and hold your breath that shit's gonna still be good for a year because not me, not anybody's gonna answer that for you. What you need to do is make pretend tomorrow everything is gonna be fucked and are you able to take that punch in the mouth? It's funny, my favorite scene in every movie is that part where the person gets punched in the mouth and then they like spit their tooth out and then look back at the person. I love that moment because that's who I think I am as an entrepreneur. Like, I want bad. I'll be very honest with you. I hope it comes tomorrow. Because the quicker it happens, the quicker all you fake entrepreneurs are gonna get the fuck out of this game. Thank you Perfect. that's
4: perfect.
0: Got it. Hey guys, in an effort to get through as many questions as possible, if we could keep some of the backstory To a minimum, just ask the question. For Gary, we'd love to hear the answer if you could get to the question, that'd be great. Hey
8: Gary, I'm Jeremy. Hey man. And I had a question for you about with the advent of social media and the way things have really changed, there seems to be this trend now where everybody, even if they have no value to offer, is an entrepreneur. That's right. What pisses you off the most about that current trend?
1: What pisses me off what? What pisses you off the most
8: about that current trend?
1: I just feel bad for people. I, you know, I feel bad, it, doesn't, you know, it pisses me off in a weird way, but since you asked me what pisses me off, I'm gonna go the other way, I have, I'm empathetic. I feel really bad for all the people that are writing $25,000 checks and are gonna lose that money. They fought hard to get it and they're putting into some kid because they think they're the next Mark Zuckerberg and they're gonna get fucked. I feel bad for a bunch of kids that have been told that entrepreneurship is cool and they wanna be in it, where they could've went and worked at a law firm or worked at Bain and McKinsey and made a lot of money and were naturally themselves. You know You know how much more money number thirteen made at Facebook than number one of book? And so, you know what upsets me is that the narrative is that it's so easy. Back to the last question of that guy, right? Like, it's easy to say you're a founder. It's a lot harder to do it five years from today. And so, I'm, I'm more worried than I am pissed off. I'm worried about suicide. There's a, there's a rise in depression and suicide in entrepreneur land because for some reason everybody thinks that you, you're successful when you start a business and you have a lot of Ivy League school kids who've always had a big game of success. You know, I always say, daddy can't buy a library in the market. The market, the business world can't be bought. And so we've got a lot of people going into entrepreneurship that aren't wired for it and their outlet to fix it is quite negative, sometimes the most extreme. Penn, a great school with a lot of entrepreneurial DNA has seen a significant rise in suicide and it's predicated on everybody thinking that they're gonna be Travis or Zucks. So I'm worried more for people than I am pissed for the game of entrepreneurship. You know? And there
8: seems to be, and I've talked about this a lot on my podcast, there seems to be this missing link between when they started and when they got successful. They leave out all the negative shit and just go from, I started
1: here and here's all the money. Yeah, it's why I always like talking about hustle. Everyone's like, ugh. You know, like people love to, like, you know, at conferences I'm at or when they use my name to get traffic for their website, they're like, no, no, you don't have to do that. You can do it so awesome and i passive income and all this shit. And so, like, you know, like, it's, it's, it's fucking very hard. Guys, do you know what the top 1% of earners in America, what the bottom number is of a top 1% earner, like the, the entry point into the 1%? It's $400,000. Four, if, you if you're sitting here and you make $400,000 or more, you in the 1% earners in America. Do you know how outrageously successful that is? But some people that don't make a million a year are like, oh, I'm not good. Like, it's crazy the way we have built up this game. It's crazy. We need to reframe entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurship, to me, is you can't breathe doing anything else. There was no work. Even that last guy, I love that guy because he's giving me a lot of love and he had a great vibe. I love when he said, I've been an entrepreneur since 06. And when he said that, I said in my mind, either you're not an entrepreneur or you are an entrepreneur from the get. You're, it's binary. Entrepreneurship is not a profession. <laughs> it's what you are, you know? So yeah.
8: Thank you. You got
1: it. My man with the kicks.
8: Yeah. yeah. Hey Gary, Kevin Stimson here. Um, So I own a branding and creative boutique. Great. And so we're all about creating memorable, disruptive, and badass brands. Okay. And the one thing that I stand against is that most online businesses can care less about being memorable, disruptive, and badass. They want to do do the same exact thing as everybody else. They value clicks and and all that kind of stuff. what I wonder is, I wanna hear how you would communicate the ROI of a brand and like what that means to you.
1: You mean the biggest companies in the world? Yes. That's Branding, right.
8: like what does that ROI mean to you? More money. People don't get it.
1: It's why I don't talk about conversion and landing page optimization and email conversion and funnels and shit like that, because there's plenty of people talking about sales. I talk about brand. Brand means putting out the best story. Putting out content that brings value. Brand is, you can't explain it, but you know it when you see it. Right? And so I always tell people: Apple is a terrible advertiser. They're just a great fucking brand. Right? Apple, like, I love when homies in this world and most of the people here are converters and math and quant, when they like talk shit about the biggest brands in the world doing bad, (laughs) you know, like, they're like, oh, look how silly that ad is, or they didn't do their SEO proper. I'm like, Rick, do you understand you're talking about that? Like, you know, yes, all of us are not as strong at every tactic, but how do I describe brand and what it means? I explain it by listing the 500 biggest companies in the world, the coolest people in the world, the people that are winning and the companies that are winning, and I talk about brand, and then I talk about things that have lost because they were conversion-based machines, Zynga, Living Social, There's people that are way better at math than you are. And so if marketing was math, my friends, this shit would have been over a long time ago. Now, I don't want to disrespect the math. We live in a digital age where the math and the conversion, the landing page observation, it matters. But if you don't layer something pure and good or awesome or what you're talking about on top of it, you can only hit a certain level and that's okay. You know how people here don't give a fuck about what you and I talk about brand and are pumped to make their million dollars a year on quant conversion landing page optimization? The problem is, here's why brand's awesome. When brand converts from desktop landing page optimization to a mobile device, brand goes there. The people in here that lived and died on that conversion lose. When, when Google changes its algorithm, right, brand survives people that did SEO farming lost. Yeah. Got it? When this all goes to, when this all goes to VR, brand's coming, but you're gonna have to figure out how to survive when we don't have clicks and conversions and it's all virtual in 10 years. All of you ready for 10 years from now when it's gonna be brand, not conversion-based SEO and quant magic? That's brand. Mike, job. <laughs> I By the way, that was a really important part of this conference. If you're relying on internet marketing arbitrage, you need to be prepared for the next decade because a lot of transformations are coming, and you don't want to be one-dimensional, just relying on that one arbitrage, on that JV, on that landing page, on that Facebook ad, on that SEM strategy. You've got to be prepared.
0: Hi, Gary. My name is Maishi. Maishi how are you? Good, great. Closer to the
1: mic. Closer to the mic.
0: I love you, you're one-on-one because of how authentic you are. Thank you, brother. Like you said before, the most important thing to me, which is why I love you, because you always preach it, is loving yourself, so I know if I love myself truthfully, I'll be a better businessman, a better person, a better percent. So I work on that a lot, and my question to you is some tips on how I can do that better and more. Sometimes I do it amazing, sometimes
1: I'm struggling. And Keep the people that say good things about you close, back to the first question today. You know, I'll be honest with you, it's very interesting in the way I'm going about it, right? My mom did it for me. Now I'm having you guys do it for me. Like I read the good shit, you know, how many of you have heard me say your comments are my oxygen? Raise your hand.
0: That's it. So, you know. I have great friends, what, I surround myself with great friends, great friends. That's it man, listen, we're
1: all gonna have down days like you just try to make more good ones than bad ones, but having a community and re, like, re-read nice things about you. Like, yeah, the exactly reason I love giving to you so much is when you email me back and say nice things, or you give me good energy, or you know, I need that. That's my oxygen. So, I have to stay positive. And the other thing is, I cut negativity out. The reason, so a lot of you, how many of you have seen the last two daily V's where I've been doing the culture thing quite a bit? It's funny, a lot of you have been, wait a minute, a lot of you are not watching it. Fuck, <laughs> <Huh>, that's up. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of people have been hitting me up and go, Gary, I can help you with all your problems. They don't realize our culture is phenomenal. Jerry, you were in the office the other day. It's fucking happy land. It's just I have fucking, I have fucking such a high standard that I want zero cynicism and negativity. So I just continue to cut that cancer out. So I think it, it's coming from myself. Through well, you. that was instilled in you, brother. Yeah, it was. So how do I... Be By cutting that? more of it out and adding more good in. Every day, change. I'm doing this. Every day I'm fucking doing this. I'm pushing anything negative out and I'm bringing everything good in every day and every day I'm getting fucking, got it? That's it. The shit that went in you in the get, you're not, you gotta get that out by what you do now.
8: Right.
1: You can't dwell that it got there. You know how many people are losing because you dwell? My friends, stop fucking dwelling. Nobody gives a shit. You can't dwell. I'm sorry that you grew up in a bad neighborhood. I'm sorry that you're a minority. I'm sorry that this bad thing happened. Nobody gives a fuck. So cut your dwelling out and start looking at good. Let me give you one really great thing. You're a human being. Do you know how fucking insane that is? For all you math fucking nerds, look at that fucking math. It's hard. And so so that's what you have to do. Thank you. You got it. Hi Gary, my hey. name is Tila.
9: Um, speaking of Wall Street from earlier, I teach people how to,
2: I I teach teach people people how to
9: um, create an income in the stock market and build financially so they can quit their 95s. Um, when I look at this industry, there's such a negative stigma on yes. it. Yes, like I hate
1: Wall Street more <laughs> than Hitler.
9: I do too. <laughs> yeah. But um, what is your advice for getting past that stigma? to my audience and also...
1: Tell the people on Wall Street to stop fucking around. Like, you're not gonna be able to get them past that stigma. Yeah. Like, I know 50 guys and gals on Wall Street right now who are telling me to my face that they're doing the dirty business that they did that knocked it down before. that's why I'm teaching
9: people to, I teach them to do this for themselves. Don't give your fucking money to Gary because he's not...
1: The problem is the people that are fucking digging the game when their shit hits the fan, all your people that did it nice by themselves are gonna get fucked when the market gets cut in half.
9: Depending on how you do it.
1: Respect. Depending on the system. Here's you what I know. know 100% of the people lose when the market loses 50% of its net worth overnight, right? Like when you have those, the only thing that's happening, you know this, I know you know this, <laughs> if you look at the patterns over the last two decades, you know exactly what happens next. These markets are naturally, fakely being inflated, which is why they're gonna have dramatic drops.
9: And that's why you learn how to trade put options. I mean, Listen. you make money on the down.
1: Res, listen, respect, and you can short, I understand how you can bet against it, right. but what I would say to you is, what I always tell people is, there's no marketing mm-hmm. in the world, people come to me all the time, and I go, look, I'm, I could be the great, if, if I am, or if I was, or if I aspire to be, there's no great marketing that fixes a shit product, yep. right? Yeah. So, how do you get people to stop looking at the, at the market negatively? You won't. Because the narrative will stay there. What you can do is educate them, and this is really a very big point. You need to change the script. You need to tell them that people looking at the market in a negative way Mm -hmm. is the opportunity.
9: Okay. Do you see where I'm going? Yes. The fact that smart guys
1: like me don't want to fuck around with it is their opportunity. Okay. And
9: how do I get past the, like when I look out there at others that are in the industry, um, I see the stacks of cash and the half-naked ladies and the yachts and that's not what I'm trying, that's not the picture I'm trying to paint. So don't paint it. But that's what...
1: You're talking to me? I fucking hate every single person that's in marketing with their bullshit fucking rent, like, fuck. I don't even want to get into this. Like, the Instagram culture of this horseshit is the worst. I just, you know, I hate it but I navigate through it. I mean, you're not going to stop people selling people the bullshit dream.
9: Yeah.
1: What you need to do is be an anomaly within it.
9: Okay.
1: All right. All right. Awesome. You You got it.
0: Hey, Gary, Colin Raymond. In episode two hundred two of the show, I asked you how long you took to celebrate your win of this crush in this last book launch, and your answer was none. You, right. say, you said you suck at celebrating. I do. Then you pontificated on that you need to actually do more of it. Yes. I'm just super curious if you have since thought of that and if you're, where, where you're going with your celebration because that sounds yep. like something that you realize is something yep. you need to do, but yep. you're always just in the yep. game, game right So since that
1: episode, I remember that very clearly. I've done nothing good. <laughs> I've, I've celebrated nothing and I haven't been able to move the needle whatsoever.
8: Awesome. Great. What are you gonna do to fix that, if anything? You know,
1: I just think it's, look, it's in the same way, it's back to the talent conversation, right, it's like, there's certain things that are hardwired in us, and I'd like to be better at it, it seems fun to celebrate. Um, I just, I just am more comfortable in the climb.
8: That's one thing that I wondered after is, is it?
0: That you need to celebrate? Is that really that you honestly think you need to learn how to do? Or is this a celebration? Yeah, yeah. I I
1: I think you got it. I think the way it, the whole thing is the celebration for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just so grateful. I mean, guys, for all of you, like, to have people admire you enough to want to take a picture with you or sit here and listen to you, like, I wish you, and I have a feeling a lot of you have this and we all have different versions of it. Plenty of people have more than me, plenty of people have less. The feeling that other human beings value what comes out of your mouth and like you is so intense. Like there's no dollar amount. Like if I don't make another dollar in my life, I already made a fuckload of money. Like it's the money is great, and I want it, and do I want to buy the jets? Of course. If you know me best, you know I want to try to buy the jets. That's the part that is my drive. I I made a video already. I'll share it here. There's a video of me that I will share with the world that proclaims that this day is the worst day of my life and I'm gonna run it the day I buy the Jets because then that part is over and I'm glad I made such a lofty goal, you know? How many of you, and don't bullshit, this is a very interesting insight and it's not pro or con, so don't be scared, but I wanna see the number. How many of you have already surpassed the financial or success goal you had for yourself in your kind of teenage early years. Raise your hand. I figured it's gonna be a lot. And like, that's awesome. And that's fucking the best, right? But like, the way I'm wired, I'm so grateful that I made, even subconsciously in fourth grade, I knew myself. I made something so fucking big that I get to play every day, even in my monstrous success. So I think you got it. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. brother. One more, I'll sneak in, I see the time. One more. This guy gets it.
8: In. So Gary, uh, Red Question in 2009, thank you so much. Built a full-time income on YouTube, and uh, love doing that, but I'm super passionate about speaking, doing podcasts, like you are talking about speaking invites. I think it'll add a lot of value to people here. What are your tactics, if that's what you want to transition into, teaching the how how you did it, and uh, speaking?
1: So what are the tactics if you want to transition into getting paid to speak? Correct. Speak for free a lot.
6: Awesome, thank
4: you.
1: This is, and, and, and that's it. Like, yeah. like, do you know what I did in 2006? I found a site, I think it was Tech Meme at the time that had a list of all the Tyson. conferences, right? And I just went to the websites of all those conferences and I emailed them and said, I'd like to speak. And most of them said, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I said, you're worse than that. And I was like, I don't know, like me, this is me, right? The number one thing you should do is speak for free. So many people are fancy, my friend. So many people are fancy. You want something, fight for it. Best way you can fight for it is go around and do it for free, build up a resume, put those talks on your website, build momentum. Maybe, I had no clue that I was a good public speaker. I was 32 years old, first time I ever gave a talk. Had no clue. You may be great at it, if you're doing YouTube full time, like you might have that story. So just do as many gigs for free as possible and never say no for the event. Let me, I'll leave with this, I know it's time to go. Never say no for the other person. One of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make here and have left a lot of opportunity on the table is you think that if you were running that event, you wouldn't say yes to you, thus you don't ask. Never say no. So go down the list of the 50 events, hit him up, I wanna talk, no dude, cool. Go to there, no. Go to there, yes, boom. You just got something bigger than you thought, got it?
4: Love it,
8: thank you. But
1: also be ghetto and be willing to do the chamber of fucking commerce event three minutes from your house with nine fucking grandmas in it. Yeah. Thank you guys.